Welcome to the Digital Workplace Podcast. These are conversations with CEOs of digital companies, thought leaders, and solution providers about how you can become a level five digital workplace. For the show notes and transcript of this episode, go to thedigitalworkplace.com. Welcome back to the Digital Workplace Podcast. Today, our guest is Elena Bogdanova. She is the CEO of Rivalty Intranet. Hi, Elena. How are you today? Hi. Uh, hi, Neil. I'm doing well. Yeah, yeah. It's great to talk to you. You're coming to us from Moscow, so welcome to you. I think you're our first guest from this side of the world. Oh, really? Yeah. Cool. Thank you. Good. Well, one thing we do to start off all of our shows is we do what we call a CAPTCHA question just to prove that you're a human. So I didn't really prepare you for this one. So here's your question is, tell us a non-family member that really impacted you as a child. Ooh, a good <laughs> Tough one. Mm, wow. <laughs> hard, hard to answer. Uh, non-family. Well, I can... Um, my cat can be a non-family yeah, sure. <laughs> member. That's a very human answer. Huh? Yeah, okay, yeah. Then my cat, Siamese cat. I had Siamese cat. Oh, as a child, you had one growing up, huh? Yeah. And it was like very much a part of your family almost, like it was touching to you? Yeah, it was, was really touching to me. But then uh, it was a bad story happened mm. while I was in Canada. And my parents didn't tell me that for a long time. Oh. But then, yeah, it was a really bad story. But yeah, she was really attached to me yeah hmm what was her name uh her name was kriska kriska nice <laughs> yeah <laughs> well good we should start all podcasts talking about cats i think that's a good way to show that we're real humans yeah and in russia kriska means uh rat oh i don't know we call her kriska but it's just happened <laughs> nice well good tell us a little bit about your company about rivalty what do you do and what types of work are you involved in we do well. We help companies to build uh, intranets that works. <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah. So we do the consultancy. We help to build the intranet concept uh, that will really works. <laughs> that will help uh, employees to do their job better, to be more efficient, uh, to be more happy, and uh, that helps uh, companies to save money on time that employees save using this internet. Excellent. How long have you been in that business? Uh, so I'm owning the company for five years almost, and I've been in internet for, I don't know, already 12 years or so. So let's just start with that term intranet. And, you know, we talk about the show's called The Digital Workplace. When you hear those two terms together, based now, we're here in 2021, what do you think is the difference between those two? Uh, it's a good question, too. <laughs> so if I would explain it to my mom, yeah. I would say, look, intranet, it's uh, one app that you have on your mobile. And the digital workplace, it's uh, an it's uh, all apps that you have on your mobile. Mm -hmm. uh, if I would explain to my client, uh, I would say um, internet, it's uh, one system that you provide to your employees that they can do their job. Mm -hmm. And digital workplace, it's all systems uh, your employees have to do their jobs. And then I would probably say what systems they have, like Internet, including mm -hmm. uh, messengers, uh, emails, uh, ERP systems, LMS systems, uh, everything that they have that in digital world that um, they provide for employees. Yeah. Yeah. And probably if I would explain it to the expert, I would say, uh, see, internet, it's um, 
old term of digital workplace. Uh-huh. If you want to be cool, <laughs> use <laughs> digital workplace. <laughs> there we go. That's the real insider definition. Good. good. So when you're working with a client, how often do you feel like as they're describing their issues and the solution that they want the internet to do, do you really think, wait, this is a bigger thing than just an internet. You need to, to zoom out. Like, do you find yourself really consulting on a big, large scale or is it usually people know exactly what they want when they come to you? Uh, well, usually we do the internet relaunch. Mm-hmm. So most of our projects, uh, it's about, well, it's an enterprise segment. It's mm-hmm. uh, biggest Russian companies. So usually they have already something mm-hmm. uh, and it's not working or it's really outdated already. Yeah. So they want to make it brand new. They want to reload it, but on the much better level than they have now. So it's more like relaunching. Yeah. And we help them with the concept. We help them to understand what to leave, what to rebuild, uh, what to uh, they should get out of so it's more like um helping to i would say if i would uh, talking about the apartment uh i would say to help them to make a new design yeah. uh, but not only in um, design that works that are really uh user friendly that are really helps them live in this apartment i feel like if, if your job is to fix other people's internets and old ones then you'll have work forever yeah. <laughs> yeah, because uh, I think that uh, in average uh, you know, life cycle of internet is three to five years. Yeah. So the companies that we build the internet when we started are already coming back yeah. <laughs> because they need to do the new one. Yeah. So yeah, I hope so. At least. Yeah. <laughs> well, excellent. I feel like that's that, that's so key to, to understand that like it's like never done. It's always something you have to be improving. And whether we're talking about internets or digital workplaces, like it's, it's always going to be something you must have to have someone constantly looking at how to improve it. Uh, just like, you know, anyone, any corporate website itself, it's always in a state of flux and always looking to improve as well too. Yeah, that's true. Exactly. All right. Well, tell us about what's going on in Russia. I know that's your home. You do work outside of that and, and work with other companies as well, but what's the state of digital workplaces in Russia? What's some cool stuff going on that the rest of us should know about? Good question, too. (laughs) The main thing that makes us different uh, compared to, I would say, European internets and maybe a bit uh, internets in the States and Australia, uh, that here we invest a lot in UX. Hmm. Uh, In Russia, everybody's really spoiled with a good UX. Mm. Uh, in day-to-day life. So all apps that we have on mobile are like really easy to use. Uh, so employees, of course, and users uh, users uh, uh, expecting quite a good UX inside uh, the company for the tools that they use too. So we invest a lot in UX. Mm-hmm. Uh, what else? Uh, here also the situation that uh, around 30% of the companies uh, preferred way of self-developed platforms. Mm. We have a lot of digital workplaces uh, built uh, in-house. I would say that we have a lot of smart IT people and they're not so expensive. So, and we love everything custom that built to particular our needs. Uh, So many companies choosing the way of self-developed platforms. And I think it's also quite different compared to the to the rest of the world. And even if we choose like SharePoint or something uh, like kind of the uh, out of the box solution, uh, it's still um, rebuilt quite 
a lot. So sometimes it's really hard to say, oh, is it SharePoint? I would never say that it's a SharePoint because yeah. it's so much different. And uh, if... Um, if to say something about the trends that we see from the last year, uh, the new things that are really getting um, popular, uh, it's a tools that helps to measure the level of uh, employees burning out hmm. uh, during the pandemic. Uh, then it, I think it's something new that we see on the market and it's getting popular. Yeah, well, let's get into that a little bit more. What type of metrics are they using to kind of measure burnout? Oh, um, I would say it's uh, around 25 different criteria. Mm -hmm. uh, so uh, they do pools surveys the, uh, every day. They ask uh, five questions, uh, like how you feel. Uh, um, are you overloaded with your job? Are you overloaded with your kids? So something like, and they're in a random um like I would say, uh, kind of with using artificial intelligence. Mm -hmm. uh, so they're collecting data, uh, trying to collect a lot. And they also collect uh, how you work on your computer during the day, uh, the messengers connections and how much you work on the computer. So the whole this information. Yeah, I can almost imagine like one signal is like how hard you're pounding on your keys. Like <laughs> Yeah, probably. <laughs> That, that should be a, a big factor. And how much loud you have on your probably yeah. <laughs> on the background, the kids screaming or the dog. Uh, so they collect all the data and then they uh, do their kind of uh, statics or reports on the employees that can burn out. That's really great to know that that's something that people are, are caring about and wanting to know, especially in the last year. That's great things to know. And I feel like we're at a place where we recognize like that technology is available for us. We can gather in all these things. I'm almost thinking about like the check-ins that we're having to do just with our health. You know, do you have a fever? Do you have a cough? Like yep. those types of things. Like I think we'll see a merging of those two things and just overall wellness, get these daily checks. Yeah, this is actually what we had during the pandemic mm -hmm. because uh, every Russian com uh, company is uh, supposed to provide to the government information about their uh, employees who is sick or who could be uh, with uh, COVID-19 uh, mm -hmm. virus inside. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so uh, some companies on their internet did a small tool where every three or four hours you have to add uh, your temperature, how you uh, feel, yeah. if you need a doctor or if you need, need to uh, connect with the insurance company. So like every four hours, they collect this data. So to get the, the information and to control how the employees that who stays at home. Yeah. Yeah, we had this. Yeah, I, and I can imagine even like when in office settings, like those kind of constant temperature checks are going on and, and people are checking those things. And that's going to be part of our future, I imagine. Yeah. So we have the data, we have things. Are you seeing like once a leader or a manager gets that data and says, yes, you know, Elena's stressed out, she's on the verge of burnout. What are the typical ways that a manager is going to respond to that? Is it just like, oh, that's too bad? Or what are the levers they're trying to pull to fix that? Well, I think it's, could be different in different countries or in different companies, sorry. So, uh, but I would say probably uh, the most typical way they will try to talk with employee and ask uh, what could be the reasons of this. If he needs uh, some time to rest, if he needs an, uh, uh, professional assistance. Many companies uh, started to pay for the 
psychology therapists mm -hmm. for their employees. And I see it like it's, it's become really popular. <laughs> Even in our companies, we decided to do it too. <laughs> wow. So, uh, uh, so if they need assistance, they would probably cover it or give the uh, give the chance to rest or something like this. Uh, if they're overloaded by the projects or tasks, so they probably try to move something. Of course, it's not for everybody. It's uh, more related to, I would say, most important employees, the mm. ones who are hypo employees, not for everyone. Mm. And I know that one of the projects that uh, did really well this program, uh, measuring the burning out level. So uh, it was mostly it was for thirty thirty percent of the comp of the employees, so mostly for hypo uh, high potential employees. Wow, that's interesting. Yeah. Let's switch a little bit because you also do another role in your life, which is basically like a community organizer. You try to get a lot of people excited about internets. You host a lot of things, which. For any community organizer, like last year was like, oh my gosh, what do I do? So tell us about your journey. Tell us about the communities you manage and that you organize. And, and what's the last year been like for you? Um, so uh, we have an uh, internet community, I would say. It's around uh, 400 people now. It's in online format. We have a close uh, group on Facebook. And before, once in a month, we met offline with uh some members who uh, lives in Moscow. And uh, I would say for us, pandemic was a good thing <laughs> because before, uh, like, for example, 30% would sign up uh, to show up on offline meeting and 20 will appear. Sure. Uh, when we switched to online format, uh, 50 people would register and 49 will come. Yeah. Uh, because... Uh, like before, uh, we had the meetings during the evening in an offline format. So after work, you have to go somewhere and it's a time, traffic, uh, rain, cold, uh, snow or something. So not many people would appear. But when we switch to online and move our meeting during the lunchtime, we get almost 100% people who sign up, they show up. So. Wow. I would say for us was it was a good thing to move online, and if I would say about uh, the members, uh, what we noticed that the people become more closer. Before uh, on meetings, it was more about talking how good we are, mm -hmm. and look, we did this, we did that, and uh, we are so good and everything but now it's more about sharing how hard it is <laughs> yeah. and find the people who are in the same situation to find support to real realize that you're not alone so i think uh, during the pandemic community become more closer more like uh, people oriented than uh, results oriented yeah, that's really fascinating to think about that kind of closeness that's coming there. Do you feel like that's more related to just the pandemic in general and everyone going through a hard time? Or is there a digital nature that changes that? Do you feel like when you get back in person, you'll be able to maintain that closeness and that vulnerability? Hard to say uh, at the moment, but I think, um, I believe that this time's not going not going to go fast. So yeah. we will live in this for, I don't know, for some time. Yeah. So probably... Uh, it will even leave if you move offline again. Mm -hmm. But now it won't be offline only. It will be either hybrid or still more online. 
Like yeah. for, for our community, it's mostly more online. But yes, we do. We will do the offline events too uh, to get uh, the feeling that we are live people too. Yeah, I think that's a great balance to think about that. You know, probably the core of what you're doing, what other people are going to be doing will be these kind of regular digital events that aren't a pain to drive to and, and back and forth and you can get to easily. But then maybe having like, you know, once a quarter or something like that, a bigger event where there can be some generating buzz and excitement and getting together. And so I think that finding that blend will be important. Sure. Yeah, just agree. Yeah. Excellent. Well, good. Well, let's talk to our core audience tends to be digital leaders, CEOs of companies from like 25 to 250 employees. So they're in the place of of building what they want. So I know you work mostly in the enterprise segment. So what can you tell somebody who's building where they are now? They're thinking about, yeah, I want to use some tool to make sure that we're in a good place as we get better and as we get bigger, excuse me, not necessarily better. What is something that they need to be preparing for at those stages that can give them just a good footing, good hygiene, good preparation so that they're going to have a long, successful digital career? Um, I think we are the ones who are in this situation now. Yeah. Uh, because we are the company who are around 25 people and who are growing. And I would say the rules that have works in enterprise segment, not working. We tried many and many. Yeah. Um, and uh, we are in Russia, we say, I'm the shoemaker without the shoes. Yeah. So this is what we have at the moment. Mm-hmm. And we are trying to build the processes uh, that all everything works. And in the future, when we are growing, it will be still stable. So I would, what I would probably recommend, uh, not try to uh, build it or to buy to find the system that will cover all your needs. It's impossible, mm-hmm. uh, especially if you're a small company. Don't go to the customization or. Mm, do not invest into self-developed things Hmm. Uh, for example we did it Uh, we invest a lot of money on self-developed thing and it's uh, the more we have it the more expensive it gets so now we are moving to out of the box solution that supports by the third parties and it's uh, growing building and uh, UX improving etc so don't go to the self-developed things um uh, try to find tools that they will that will cover particular routine work types. Don't forget about the messenger. <laughs> <laughs> try to escape uh, using WhatsApp or Viber or Telegram, like yeah. what is popular here. So probably go to Slack or Teams yeah. or something more corporate type mm-hmm. of uh, instrument. Teach employees uh the importance of saving the knowledge and uh, saving the documents in the particular folders or particular uh community uh, spaces on yep. for example on your office 365 uh try to build a habit uh, that it's not only for you and not only for now it could be useful sometime later so I noticed that in the smaller companies, the employees do, don't, do not have these habits and yeah. their uh, CEO, they don't have time to think about the knowledge saving and everything. And this is what you need to learn, that you need to move to the habit. Yeah. 
So probably this one too. <laughs> yeah, that's great. We talk a lot about the durability of communication. Like how long do you need it to live? If it's just like chat type stuff that's going on in Slack, that's fine. But once you say something really important in Slack, you need to pull it out of there and put it somewhere else so that you can refer back to it later. If you have really important documents and decisions you've made in Microsoft Teams, like good luck because you may be months before you realize you need it again and you don't know where it was and it's hard to find. So yeah, great advice. Great. Well, Elena, it's been really fun to talk to you. It's great to get your perspective on everything. I've enjoyed this a lot. If people want to know more about you and the work you're doing, where should they go? They can go to our website. It's uh, revolty.com. We have English version. Of course, the Russian was is much bigger, but we have a small English one. Mm-hmm. And of course, uh, it's my LinkedIn or Twitter. Uh, you can find me there. Great. We'll put all that in the show notes. So, Elena, thanks for being on the show. We look forward to uh, talking with you again soon. Thank you so much. Thank you. I really enjoyed it too. Thanks, Neil. This has been the Digital Workplace Podcast. If you liked it, please take a minute to leave a review wherever you can. Go to thedigitalworkplace.com and sign up for our twice a month newsletter. It keeps you up to date on the best ways to build a level five digital workplace. Music for the show is provided by City of Sound. I'm your host, Neil Miller. Keep moving forward.